2: This is the podcast about IVF, infertility and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby
1: and we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Two of series three.
2: We are still tragically torn apart. We are. We're recording in our our home studios. Indeed. Emma, you're um you're taking the air by the sea. I am taking the air by the sea. Uh, just to paint a picture of where where I am. I'm in a bedroom. The microphone is balanced perilously on a pillow. Um, I'm trying really hard not to make rustly noises, and in the background, a gale is blowing. Oh dear, not a gale. That's the real air of the sea. It is the air of the sea, but if you go outside, too much air gets forced into your lungs. So I'm, like, I am in lockdown. I am in proper Um. lockdown.
1: (laughs) I ain't leaving this place. (laughs) You think the plague is being carried on the winds?
2: Potentially, or I just don't, it's it's quite a biting wind out there.
1: Mm, So I just, I'm not going out. Well, I'm in smoggy, plague-infested London, so that's good times all around. (laughs) Any symptoms yet, mate? No symptoms yet, mate, no. No. Any for you? Well, yesterday
2: I freaked out that um, I'd lost my sense of smell. Oh, shit. Yeah, but then John found a novel way of pointing out that I hadn't lost my sense of smell. Oh, yeah? By getting a cat poo and shoving it in my face.
1: Oh, wow. And did you smell
2: uh, the cat poo? I smelt it strongly and clearly. Wow. Well, that's good.
1: You're safe then.
2: Yeah. So right now, touch wood, no corona symptoms.
1: My main symptom is boredom um <laughs> uh, which i'm sure a lot of people have um and yeah so today i am going to bake a banana bread which i'm quite excited about me too
2: oh my god it's bfn banana bread <sighs> oh my god so we have a competition
1: yes <gasps> we should do it on our instagram as well let's do it oh amazing i love it okay well Last time I made banana bread, which was last weekend, um, Mr. Gabby took the banana bread out of the oven too soon and didn't check it and it um, was raw. And Paul Hollywood would not like that. No, he would not. I was disproportionately furious. (laughs) So, yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen today.
2: Well, today, um, other than baking a banana bread, my sole plan is to put a bra on at some point.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I've got a confession, mate. I am currently naked apart from a dressing gown. Gabby! (laughs) I've never recorded like this.
2: (laughs) What a treat. BFN just took an exciting turn. Interesting
1: turn indeed. (laughs) Um, And okay, moving on. Uh, The other exciting thing that's happening to me today is that Mr. Gabby is going to give me a haircut. Oh my god. That's exciting. I know. He's so he's so excited. He's been watching YouTube videos of I was say. Um, <laughs> of Bobs. And okay. um yeah, I just it, I was really looking forward to getting my hair cut and it's been too long and I just can't wait anymore. I can't wait to see the pictures. It's
2: gonna be funny. To be to be fair, I bet he's really good at it. He's quite skilled with his hands.
1: Well his dad was a hairdresser, so he thinks it's in his DNA. Oh really? Oh really yeah. <laughs> <gasps>
2: oh, i love it oh, dear the confidence before the fall oh my god guys if you want to if you want to follow what happens um follow gabby's yeah. instagram yes you have to be. put it on the grid because we're recording now on saturday and this isn't coming out till tuesday unless you do a highlight
1: yes i will absolutely um document it for everyone's joy
2: <laughs> okay. that's that bfn gabby everyone <laughs> that's the one um onto the show indeed so we've got the first dispatches from Cardiff this week.
1: We do. I'm so excited. The yeah. honeyed tones of our Cardiff and West Country buddies.
2: <laughs> Liz and Nick, um, they're just kind of... To be honest, they've been recording this since December. So there's no there's no corona references. How refreshing Indeed. Um, in this. So th- this was recorded... Was it, it even at the end of last year, I think? I think it was, um, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, if you want a corona-free environment, look no further.
1: Well, apart, um, from, apart from my chat. And, apart and the chat from afterwards. then, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> after that, um, Gabs. Yes. So I spoke to a lovely woman called Nicole Robinson, who is um, at Good Nick on Instagram. And she had just had her treatment cancelled. I spoke to her about two weeks ago, just after our um, cancellation episode went out. And so, yeah, it was pretty raw for her at the time. And so we just had quite a nice chat about, um, well, not a nice chat, but what had happened and the way it had gone down for her, and how, to be honest, she's quite a positive person. So like how she was keeping herself occupied, um, and interestingly, she featured in on ITV News on Friday night along with Kirsty, who is at Infertility WTF IVF, and Sophie at Infertile Midwife. Um, Yeah, and so they were all on ITV talking about having their treatments cancelled, which was awesome. And you should go and watch it because it's a great video.
2: Yeah, and we've shared that on our Instagram, haven't we?
1: We have. Um, It was made by a guy called Paul Brand. So if you go to at Paul Brand TV, Uh there should be a link in his bio.
2: Cool. Um, Then we've got Professor Tim.
1: We do, as
2: always. And he's talking about being cold-blooded.
1: Yeah, because I think some people do run a little bit colder and a little bit hotter, right? I'm a little bit cold all the time. Are you? Mm, I always. Yeah, I'm just normal, I think. <laughs> Boring.
2: And uh, that's it. Yeah, okay, guys. Yeah, so please enjoy the show. Please enjoy the show. In the meantime, uh, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly on Apple Podcasts. Mostly on Apple Podcasts. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram. At big fat negative on Twitter at big fat negative and you can email us big fat negative podcast at gmail.com
3: please enjoy the show so for the first time on the podcast Mr. Fox how are you I'm good yeah yeah what have you been up to this week
4: well we had our uh... Um, Meeting with the London's Women's Clinic.
3: Yeah, we did. We did. Is
4: it London's Women's Clinic or Women's?
3: London Women's Clinic, I I think. I see. Yeah.
4: don't know why I come in. (laughs) No.
3: And like just to give you a bit of context, so um, obviously you know our history and we uh, decided to go and have a chat with them about what they thought our options would be moving forward because... Even though we've technically done the magic three rounds, we maybe aren't as ready to shut that door as we thought we would be at this point. So we wanted to go and have a chat with them about um, where we go from here. And it costs us a princely sum of £155. Didn't mention that. no. To get, <laughs> uh, to get an opinion. I a secret? did. To get an opinion. That's a Christmas present. It? Well, it's bloody more than a Christmas present, especially your Christmas present. Um, so, see. yeah. Yeah, so we went and had a chat with them. Would you like to tell the lovely people how it went?
4: It went for once as we kind of expected it to go. Well, not expected it, but yeah. what we wanted to hear.
3: Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. There was
4: no surprises like in every other meeting we've ever had, where it just seems to get steadily worse and worse.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, No major surprises. I'd gone into major research mode and was expecting to hear what I heard and was glad that they uh, were honest with us.
4: Yeah, I think the concern was that we were just going to be told, yeah, keep going for IVF without any real practical reasons why the next time it will work. Yeah. Because we've already come to terms with the fact that our chances are quite low.
3: Yeah, and I think it's definitely for a reason that we hadn't expected in the first place. So that was quite a challenge to come to terms with. Um I think that one of the things for me, just to go back to the to sort of the, the start of the appointment really, one of the things for me, I know that you mentioned it quite a lot before, and probably it's one of the first things that comes out of your mouth when we talk about visiting clinics and an IVF, is that you are very much not a part of the process. Um, you know, as soon as you walk in through the door, you're not really acknowledged or um addressed and For me, that was really quite obvious this time around. Um.
4: It was more the last time, especially with the NHS Mm. going into appointments with you for the third time and being introduced to as if they'd never met me before.
3: I mean, uh, to be fair, you're uh, to, not the one who's had anything to say. Yeah, in but then. in
4: all honesty, my they're focusing on my face in every interview where they're not really focused on that area. So I'd like to think, if anything, I'm more memorable.
3: <laughs> what, you're just saying all the badges look the same? Is that what you're saying?
4: Well, it's more easy to distinguish. <laughs> they're looking at me in the face every... That's very true. And it's not that I... I don't sit there silently either.
3: No. No, you are a... You're an active participant.
4: But they never remember me.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's it's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? That, you know, you go in as a... As a collective. And only one of you actually is, is remembered. Yeah. For me, that was the first thing that sort of came to... Came to my mind. Um... Steadily followed by um, just the familiarity of it, I suppose, because we had been there before. So, I guess it was nice to go back to somewhere that was so familiar, um, and we know that the people are, apart from ignoring you, quite. Yeah, they decent. are.
4: Yeah, they are. Generally, generally, they don't need to acknowledge me for most of the part. For most of the parts, I've come with you. Yeah. I'm just there to support you. Mm. So, medically speaking, I don't need to be there, uh, so they don't really need to acknowledge me. Yeah, it would be nice to say hello, sure. That's good. And they do seem like nice people, it's just obviously they've got a job to do, and I get in the way, if anything.
3: Yeah, but it's nice that you're an active participant. I can imagine that if a lot of men went and weren't acknowledged, then they would let like you say realise or feel like they don't need to be there and then just remove themselves and that's kind of not the point is it really?
4: Yeah it's different when we went to speak to the doctor for our appointment because obviously it was a conversation with three people yeah. and I wasn't ignored and I think that's just explaining the situation there's no medical procedures in fact I had to do something for that appointment.
3: You did. So yeah, it, because, because we'd gone in uh, having had previous treatment with the NHS, they wanted to treat us as, as new patients. And so for the princely sum of £155, pounds, uh, not only did we get the consultation with uh, the doctor, we also had, um, for me, uh, a sort of repeat uh, experience of a visit with Wanda and for you a sperm sample yep
4: very much the last humiliation of ivf is to hand someone a cup of my magic stuff is
3: that what you to, call
4: it yeah, <laughs> to yes to for what essentially for me is a member of the public
3: yeah well it's a strange thing i, one, I isn't it? we
4: don't have a relationship i just had to do that then hand her a cup of it.
3: Yes. Yeah. I took
4: the decision quite a long time ago that I was going to produce my sample at home.
3: Yeah, and we're quite lucky that we live really close, aren't we? So yeah. I say lucky in the loosest of terms, <laughs> um, which means that you have been able to do that because yeah. you get quite stressed out about it, don't you? Yeah. It's not the easiest no. thing to do. We don't really talk about it, do we? No. Because it really, really stresses <laughs> you out.
4: <laughs> well, I remember going... Go and ask him to go to the toilet once in the London's River Clinic, just on a a random appointment. And the toilet is in the room where you do the sampling, Uh unbeknownst to me. So I walked in there, went to the toilet, then came out and had a look around at my surroundings. And there was a TV, there's a DVD player Mm -hmm. with some special movies. And what drew my eye was was the chair made of vinyl... And what can only describe as an ass print in the chair. Nah, this isn't for me. No, I'll do it at home. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather run through the streets of Cardiff with my sample
3: <laughs> securely at body temperature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we went and had a conversation with uh, the doctor, and um, like I said, we, you know, like we said, it wasn't anything that was particularly surprising for us. I don't think I'd. You know, as you know, gone into full on research mode. So knew what I wanted the outcomes to be, uh, or what I thought the outcomes would be, and they confirmed our um, our thought process, which was that if we wanted to uh, go again, we did make it very clear that if we were going to go again, it was going to be our last go, um, because I think we just get to the point now where it's, it is a bit much. Um, but if we were going to go again, we wanted to go with the option that was going to give us the greatest chance of success, because um, obviously you're going to put all your eggs in that basket and, and you're going to hope for the best, you know, hope for the best, really, aren't you? So, we uh, were told that in order for that to happen, that they would suggest that we went for donor eggs.
4: Well, what did they say originally? Because they can't really tell; they can never be sure if it's my sperm or your eggs that are causing trouble with fertilising.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, she was very diplomatic about it, wasn't she? Yes. Um, you know, she explained it very well and basically said that, um, it's, it's very difficult to establish what is the fertilisation issue, uh, which side is causing the problem. Um, And in an ideal world, what they would suggest is to uh, implant my eggs with a donor, sperm, or implant donor eggs with uh, Nick's sperm, and see what the outcome is, basically, to sort of try and establish where the problem lies.
4: Which, either way, is around IVF. Yeah, yeah. So, So you, you have to decide which one you want to try first, don't you?
3: Definitely. And... For her, having looked at all of the kind of information that she had to hand, um, aside from Nick's antibodies, the rest of his sample was uh, tip top. Yeah, top dollar. <laughs> so,
0: um,
3: in that in that respect, she suggested that uh, it would probably be an egg egg problem, and that our best chance would be to go for donor eggs. Um, she very nicely described it actually as, uh, basically I've got a low egg reserve anyway. So I've always, always had quite a low, uh, store of eggs and I didn't realise this, but the best ones go first. So the best ones will have buggered off a long time ago and we're now left with the crap at the bottom of the pile. Uh, I mean she put it in a nicer way than that, but but that was effectively the sort of description that she gave, which which makes a lot of sense.
4: But then to soften the blow as we were walking out, she eventually said, Yeah, but it wasn't for him, you wouldn't need IVF in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cheers. See you later.
3: Yeah, and um, we you know, we we always leave the clinic with the um with the advice of, you know, it could happen, so please keep trying. Because it could happen naturally.
4: I never thought I'd hear someone keep telling me to ejaculate frequently. (laughs) I've never been told that so much in my life.
3: I mean, my favourite was when you got told it the first time um, by our doctor, who is a very small uh, Indian lady who looked you deep into your eyes and made it quite clear that that is exactly what you should be doing. Mm. You just look so uncomfortable. (laughs)
4: So that's an issue. It's just if someone tells you you have to do it, it's not not something someone normally says.
3: Well, no, not when you're married. No, no. not really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of the that was that was the 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 advice that we were given was go ahead if you're going to go ahead again, but go ahead with donor eggs. Um, and what was your kind of what were your thoughts coming out of that appointment?
4: I th- I think. Um, it was nice to have what we had talked about before be told to us by a doctor. Mm-hmm. So we were all on the same track. Because I think you were a bit more gung-ho about donor eggs than me. I think that's fair. Because I mm-hmm. think the other conversation we've had since the last round was donor eggs or adoption. Yeah. And I was always a little bit more on the adoption side, and you were a bit more on the donor the side. Yeah, I, I th- guess that's fair to say.
3: I think that's fair to say, and I, it's it's difficult because I think we were very prescriptive before we started IVF, weren't we? It was very much like three rounds, Yep. and we're done and we move on. But now that you're confronted with the inadvertent commas, three rounds that for us only manifested itself in one implanted egg, Uh, I kind of felt shortchanged, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, But also quite conscious that I was changing the goalposts. Um, And I think it's very easy to hypothetically think about moving on to adoption or looking at that as an alternative way to start our family. But when you're confronted by the fact that you may not ever be pregnant because you've elected to choose to move on from IVF. When that becomes a reality, that's quite hard. Yeah. And it was more so for me than for you, I guess.
4: Yeah, I think I have been of the opinion that if we can not have a child together, I would rather adopt. Hmm. So we can both bring up this new child on equal footing, if that's the right.
3: What so you do you think that I would feel I don't know, it's just I
4: think it's a little bit like the whole point of IVF is to have your a child as by a, a connection to both of you. And if you can't do that, why don't you just adopt the child that needs adopting?
3: Yeah, that's quite interesting, I think, because I I was always of the opinion that I was never that bothered about being pregnant and was more concerned about being a mother. But I think, like I said before, now being confronted by the fact that I may never carry, it's it's that internal battle with myself about yeah. how I feel about it. To be honest,
4: well, I would. Uh, that's the thing we've discussed in the past that I don't have that issue because I will never be pregnant. No, but it's you would. It's tough to say, but it's, uh, it's true.
3: <laughs> but you would experience it. Yeah, I'd experience like you it.
4: being pregnant. Like in, and I think it's normalcy that we're seeking, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. A bit of normalcy after all this that you get to be pregnant, you get to experience everything everyone else gets to experience. Yes. Yeah. And that scans, pregnancy, the birth, all the excitement leading up to the birth. Yeah. And just to feel like everyone else, which at the moment you' it's IVF's quite lonely and you do feel quite different to everyone else,
3: yeah, definitely, and you feel like a lot of your surprise is taken away, isn't it yeah. a lot of your like milestones are taken away from you
4: well the whole the whole fun of making the baby disappears, doesn't
3: it it does yeah it, in definitely fact, does. it, it
4: becomes a very cold medical procedure, the fact that you're not even in the same room when you're I'm producing my sample the eggs are being collected and the eggs being fertile, mm. fertilized. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're completely away from that.
3: Yeah, yeah, and that's really hard. So it's it's difficult now. So our choice uh now is to continue with with donor eggs. If yeah. I, you know, or we will look an alternative route to parenting. Um so as far as donor is concerned. Our next steps are to... Counselling. Yeah, counselling. I was trying to think then.
4: Yeah, that's a necessary process.
3: Yeah, because I think we hadn't really considered all of the um, complexities, I guess, surrounding donor conception.
4: The the legalities of it.
3: Yeah, Um, the legality of it, the uh, complexities around it. Um, and it's it's quite interesting because there's obviously a few uh, donor-conceived uh, children that are floating around the Instagram ether, uh, if I may use that term. And certainly there are lots of ladies who have made the decision to go ahead with donor. Who uh, and I have been speaking with them, which has been really, really quite useful for me. Um, but I'm still not... I'm still not 100% there. And we're hoping that the counselling will... Yeah, help.
4: and we haven't done the same amount of research on adoption yet, have we? No,
3: we haven't. We haven't. We've so... got an
4: information the evening on the 15th, which we're going to go to. Because at the moment, I think I've got just quite a romanticised view of adoption as well. In yeah. my head, we'd adopt a baby, we'd all grow up happily, there'd be no issues. Mm. But I think the reality might be different to... What I expect. I think so it's nice to hear what the the process will be and speak to people who have actually gone through it just to add to our fact-finding.
3: Yeah, I think we're definitely on a fact-finding mission. And, and to be honest with you, I think I've probably got quite a romantic view of, of donor eggs mm. at the moment.
4: What did you uh, think about the percentage success rates?
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess from a numbers point of view 50% is one in two so that's you know that's better than a kick in the teeth mm. um yeah i guess from reading up on it i thought that the percentages might be higher yeah certainly within our clinic um i don't think we ever actually asked anybody what our percentages were before no so i don't really have anything to 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 sort of compare it to i suspect it was quite low to be honest with you um
4: Yeah, I think our chances were low.
3: I would go like five per cent. You know, I, I I would go that low, I think. I don't think we were ever really in that even twenty five to thirty percent chance. Um and certainly obviously in the last two rounds it was zero percent, so
4: Yeah.
3: You know, we're in a better position. Um and I
4: think it's actually higher than if you have a child naturally.
3: Yes, it is. I
4: think that even if you do it on the right day, at the right time, it's still not as high as that.
3: No, no, it's not. What do you think about the percentages? I think
4: if you're going through something else, you just want the higher... You want it pretty much guaranteed. I know. (laughs) Especially if you've you've made the decision to go donor eggs.
3: Yeah. You're almost, like, assuming that this is going to be your holy grail. Yeah. 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 I think,
4: well, we've made this... We've compromised here.
3: Yeah.
4: To some degree. Yeah. That you yeah. want the odds to be as high as possible, like in any situation. Mm. But
3: I think yeah, the difficulty is is that you know if we're looking at this holy grail of donor eggs, that's amazing. But ultimately, you're still you're still going to go through IVF. You're still going to go through um, adjusting your body and taking medications and all of the stresses and concerns and worries that come with that. So you sort of want to be able to be quite. Capable or able to to sort of deal with that because you know I feel a bit like this is you know if we go ahead with this option it's a bit of a last chance saloon as far as that's concerned. Yeah,
4: you almost wish you could have a test test round. Yeah. Okay, before you spend all the money on it, okay for everything, can we just see if there's any other issues?
3: Yeah, yeah. That I mean, we I,
4: need to be aware of.
3: I suppose we could, but I guess you can only have so many tests. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that. um for the uh, package that we've been, or they've suggested that we go for, if we obviously go ahead with the with the donor eggs, um, I think you get, was it guaranteed six mature eggs? Yeah. Was that what least. it was? Yeah. Th- yeah. So I guess, I don't know, looking at that percentile, you could end up, knowing our luck, you'd end up with like nothing to transfer. Um, <laughs> but no, I think if you're looking at Is like, it f-
4: eight mature eggs or eight fertilized eggs? Six. Oh, sorry. Where well, I get? It. I don't know where I got the egg <laughs> I don't from.
3: Know. I don't that's know six fertilized again. or no, six no. mature? No, six mature eggs. So what happens then is obviously I think is it something like a seventy-five percent fertilization rate? I
4: told that before.
3: Um, yeah, that's true. Awkward. Um, and then obviously there's going to be drop off from there. So you you you're, you're very unlikely to have six blastocysts, aren't you? Um, so. Yeah, we may get a couple of goes. We may get one go. We may get no goes. Um and it is a hell of a lot of money down the drain for for 50% basically if we get that far. So it's 50% if something it gets, you know, is there to be implanted I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Um the other thing as well I should say is that uh with the London Women's Clinic that we've elected to go to, uh I mean, I say that like The other London women's clinics have not got the same deal. I'm sure they have. Um, They're linked with the London Egg Bank. So as far as they're concerned, there is no waiting list for donor at the moment. Um, And she very kindly told me that uh, waiting wouldn't make a difference because obviously the age of the donor is not going to make a difference. So if it takes us a little bit of time to make a decision, that's not going to be a massive, massive problem, I don't think.
4: Which is quite nice, really. Yeah, there's because no pressure. Because it has felt time has always been of the essence. They, they've stated it quite matter-of-factly, haven't they?
3: Yes. Yeah, because, you know, I'm getting old and uh, I haven't got many eggs. <laughs> so, yeah, we've always felt quite pressured. Um, the other bonus about going privately now is that nobody's going to force me to lose weight. Huzzah. Hooray!
4: You didn't need to lose any weight.
3: <laughs> well, you so say you, um, but yeah, the NHS obviously got very strict BMI requirements, so um, that was always very stressful. I always found that quite quite challenging. Yeah. Um, but we won't it's ruined a ha- holiday or two. It really has. <laughs> <laughs> it really has. Um, but that's not an issue with the private, so that's, a, that's you're,
4: a. You quite have to admit you're not good when you're hungry.
3: I'm awful when I'm hungry. I'm a terrible person. I'm surprised we're still married. If I'm honest, oh, see, because <laughs> I am horrendous.
4: <laughs> I'd like to disagree, but
3: <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, on that lovely note, um, that is what happened with the London Women's Clinic. So we. We're told that donor was our, our donor eggs, sorry, was was the way to go if we were going to go for one more round. Um, we've got the benefit of the London Egg Bank, which allegedly there is no waiting list for. I don't really know what that means because I'm sure I've heard, um, you know, people waiting for matching and, um, I guess, eggs and stuff. I think they're all, they're frozen, all frozen eggs, I think. yeah. Um, yeah, they are all
4: frozen. So
3: we can go on and, and have a peruse if that's what we decide yeah, we're going to do. That's going to
4: be an interesting process. Yeah. So that's
3: that's going to be happening. Ho- well, I say hopefully, potentially in the next couple of weeks or so. Um, but before that, we've got to go for a counselling session. Yeah. So we've got a counselling session booked. It's going to be a bit weird because it's via Skype. Actually, it? it's it's via WhatsApp.
0: Huh?
3: Yeah. We're having a WhatsApp counselling session. That's personal about (laughs) donor (laughs) eggs. So that's what we'll be chatting about next time. Um, But in the meantime, I hope you all have good weeks and uh, catch up with you soon.
5: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.
0: and now save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Um,
1: Nicole, thank you so much for speaking to us. How are you doing?
6: Um, I'm doing okay. It's um It's been a rough couple of days with everything being up in the air, but obviously getting a phone call the other day just, uh, yeah, changes the mood completely, but we're doing okay at the moment now. Things have sunk in in our minds a little bit. Good, good. Well, we're
1: going to talk a little bit about how you've had your treatment cancelled in a minute. But first, we need to work out how you got there. So if you wouldn't mind just telling me about your journey.
6: My journey. It's (laughs) quite nice to be on this side of it. Um, (laughs) My journey started two and a half years ago when I came off the pill. Me and my husband had just got married and I didn't have a period for like six months. So alarm bells started ringing for me there and then. Um, I went to the doctors and um, they wanted to run tests for PCOS as I'd never been tested for it before. My periods had always been like all over the place, but we just blamed it on contraception and age and weight fluctuations and everything else that doctors will blame it on other than, you know, the real issue. Um, So I ended up having the blood tests and the scans and found out that I did have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And they also did um, a semen analysis with our GP. And my husband's semen analysis came back with low um, motility, I think it was. Yeah, I think the motility was really low at the beginning. So she referred us on to our fertility clinic at our hospital Okay,
1: so challenges on both sides then.
6: To start with, yes. And then we went through the tests and and, and, and the doctors at the fertility hospital had said to, to Mark to take the Wellman Conception for three months and then they were going to test him again. Okay. Um, and in the meantime, I was going to have um, HSG tests done and all the other tests done at the hospital to just rule everything else out. All the fun ones. All the fun ones, exactly. Well, I tried to have my HSG test done three times, and it was just, yeah, I've just had one of those lives where things can go, if something can go wrong, it will. Oh
1: mate, three times. Yeah,
6: I went in three times. In the end, they, I, they were like, "We've got you a mug in the kitchen." Now I've I've been in that many times. Everybody knew who I was, and I what happened? Why couldn't they do it? Because of my periods being all over the place and my cycles being really long, and I would bleed for quite a long amount of time. There was always either old blood there, or there there was there was just something that would stop them. Um, because Mm. of like risk of infection and stuff so they'd kind of like open me up with the speculum as as you do and that would be it they'd be like no there's still blood we're gonna have to do it again and I'd call them or they couldn't get me in or I'd get in and there'd be blood or whatever so on the third go I found out that both of my fallopian tubes were blocked oh wow yeah so that was that was a shock um yeah not something you ever think about you know You, you just think oh it's gonna you're going to be fine. Of um, course, yeah. So, yeah, both of them were blocked. But luckily, Mark's fertility... Um, Mark's semen analysis had come back and his results were back into normal range. Oh,
1: wow. So the Wellman had improved them? Yeah,
6: he'd really improved. He'd, like, took a little bit more of a healthier lifestyle. Um, have, you never know whether these sorts of things is just, like, a on on the day it was bad that day or or, or whether the tablets have helped. But yeah so far we um his his motility went back i think he went from three percent to twenty something percent so it was incredible it was quite a big jump in three months so we we he's been you know preaching about those tablets for sure good 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 and what what other lifestyle choices did he make um he started training more regularly at the gym um mm because we're self-employed it's hard to like fit it in our lifestyle but he did um, cutting down on the drinking you know going out on the weekends and stuff because we've got quite a active social life and stuff so yeah just just oh, minor things mate. nothing nothing major you know we've we always yeah. said we were never going to put too much pressure on ourselves to change too much but yeah to just change a few things to, that would make us feel better to make us feel like we were doing the right things.
1: Yeah, feeling like you've got a little bit of control back, I guess. Yeah,
6: for sure. Um, so once I found out that both of my tubes were blocked, that we were then referred on for IVF, um, we were approved for one round with one transfer on the NHS, which is the okay. round we we're on. And that's that's as far as we got. We started our IVF in, um, I think we had our consent signing in October and we started the round in November. Um, again, because I've got PCOS, obviously, you, I was at risk at OHSS, which I was because there was quite a lot of follicles in the end. Even yeah. though that it took quite a long time to get to that point, I stimmed in the end for 22 days to get oh, to that God. point because I was not responding. Um, but they didn't want to up the dosage because of the PCOS. And it was just like, it just seemed like a big circle. So we mm. ended up having a freeze-all because of the risk of OHSS.
1: Okay. And, and the- did you... Did you get any um, signs of OHSS? No, I didn't
6: get any signs. I mean, I felt a bit rough, but I didn't. I didn't get OHSS. I just rested for a couple of days, and I kind of think it was the best thing for me because after on day three and day five, I was thinking, God, I don't know how people go in and, you know, I was still sore. I didn't want to. I, you know, I didn't want to have be messed with anymore to have a transfer, but. I kind of was just looking at the positive, trying to find the positives in in my own situation.
1: Yeah, I know. That's good.
6: Yeah. And then that was in, um, that was at the beginning of December. So I had all of Christmas and everything being normal. And we managed to get a holiday in in January before my FET started. And that's where we pretty much got up to.
1: Oh God. So where, um, where did you go in January just to lighten the mood yeah, for a second? <laughs>
6: <laughs> we managed to, we go we went to Sri Lanka and it was incredible. Oh.
1: Amazing! Yeah. Well done. It's always good to get something like that in the back.
6: Yeah, we were so we were so grateful to be able to get a little break in, and we could do all the things and eat what we wanted, and have a few drinks, and you know, try to yeah. be normal as absolutely normal exists in this world.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well done you. Um, and um so you've got your embryos on ice. How many did you end up with?
6: Yeah, we got um we've got ten on ice. I, they're all at day one at the moment. They were frozen okay. on day one amazing
1: and so when did you get the first inkling that something was going to go wrong with the with the treatment
6: so a lot had been up in the air everybody you know on instagram had been a bit panicky on in the facebook groups um the ivf community in general i'd felt we were a bit all over the place worrying um but i thought i'm a week out here now i've been going through my meds for the last couple of months uh, the oestrogen. I hadn't started my progesterone pessaries yet, but I was due to go in on Wednesday for a scan. But okay, I had a call. So you were already on drugs? Yes, I was already on my drugs. I was already taking the oestrogen tablets. So my lining was thin. And then I was, uh, i have been in for my scan and they told me my lining was thin. And then I was put on the oestrogen tablets. And then I was due in to go in for the scan for to start the progesterone to have my transfer the week after. Right. Yeah, so it was pretty close to the end before before they said anything. But right. I had a call the day beforehand, um, with them just moving the time of the appointment, which which was strange because I was like, well, you know, when you get a private number, you, our hospital usually always call on a private number. So I was like, oh, I'll answer it because just in case. And they were just moving the time of the appointment from 7.20 to 9.40 because she said they had had um, some staffing issues. And I and I'd said to her on the phone then just uh, as a whim, you know, oh, I was worried that you were going to call me and cancel. And she said, no, 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 it's all fine. It's all in hand. So I was right. like, "Oh, okay, that's that's fine." So that that I put my mind a little bit at ease because I, you know, we were getting a bit worried. And then the next day, I got the phone call um, to say that all of that information had been flipped on its head, and they were cancelling the round. I mean, how did they deliver that information to you? What did they say? Um, she she went through, you know, the checks and of who we are, who who I was, and stuff. And I was on my own in the house; my husband was at work, and she she had um you know, when you can tell when someone's going to give you bad news because of the way their voices. And she was mm-hmm. really softly spoken. And she was like, I could tell she was upset and to give me the news. And she was she just said, I'm really sorry, we're, we're stopping all treatment. Um, we're not going to be able to carry on with your treatment. Now, if you're on any drugs or the drugs you are on, stop them. Um, oh, God. Yeah, there was literally she just literally said that we can't do anything. because of the the situation and it's just it was just heartbreaking and they said specifically staffing issues did they I don't know because um where we're at is the Birmingham Women's Hospital which is part of the uh the QE which is quite a big hospital um in in our area and I think a lot of people come here if there's like emergencies and stuff so I think Mm. they're being distributed into like the main parts of the QE to help other departments, the nurses and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And
1: so, how? I mean, did they give you any like idea about when it might start up again, or was it kind of an open ended? Yeah. Like, canceling.
6: She said, "Have you got any questions?" um She did say we are canceling everything for now. You know, all treatments going to be stopped. And I was like, "Well, do we have an idea?" And she said, "It's going to be at least another couple of months." And I know it's quite a big department because I know there's quite a lot of people from the Midlands that go there. Um, and she said that she, she is not sure on in what order they're going to restart people, which is another, you know, even if they do open in another two to three months time, am I going to be on the first wave of people starting back up, you know, and then it's Mm. another, you know, another pro-stap injection. It's another three months of drugs and stuff before the transfer. So it just seems like it's months and months and months away at the moment
1: yeah they can't give you
6: anything they can't they can't tell you anything for certain they they can't give you any hope
1: no and so I mean you talk about hope there how did that make you feel
6: I um like to think of myself as quite a positive person and it it, it broke my heart to start with because it, it was so close you could literally like it was in touch and distance
1: mm, man, yeah
6: yeah and um I didn't, I I try not to get upset and I try and see the positive side of everything, but it was really hard for the first, you know, for the first afternoon, I got the call at like two o'clock on the, on the Tuesday and, Mm. um, it was just hard for that, for that evening. Yeah. Yeah. To get your head around it and try and even just try and pull out the positives to think of. You don't think rationally to start with, you just think about yourself and,
1: of course, of course. I mean, yeah. you've been building up to it and leading up to it. I mean, completely natural to 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 have that reaction. I guess it's is it. I mean, what I've been thinking is that it must be hard because on one side you you understand yeah. why it's happening and it's you know the whole country's basically been fucked over. Yeah. Um. So there must be that side of it where you are like, well, I know why. Yeah. But still, it hurts.
6: Yeah, it's 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 really hard because you do think. You, you know, if if you don't know what the side effect or the risks of the virus are at the moment, we don't know how it's affecting people, how it's affecting babies and pregnant women. So it if it's going to keep me healthy, if it's going to keep our, our, what could have been a baby healthy... By just waiting a little bit longer, then you know I'm willing to wait that little bit longer, even though I don't want to wait. Do you know what I mean, mm, Of course, you know it's it, you've got to I've got to just see the positives, I've got to just focus on what I can control because you know there's gonna be people out there now that are pregnant or have just had transfers that are gonna be a little bit worried, you know, yeah, um, yeah. and I do feel for those people, and I feel for everybody that's in my situation right now that are are struggling to see the positives. And so, how are
1: you and um, your partner keeping your heads up? Then, what have you got any kind of plans to try and stay positive?
6: It's really hard at the moment, isn't it? Because you can't go, oh, let's book a trip or let's go to the cinema or go for dinner or whatever, because we can't do anything right now. So it's, it is hard. So we're trying mm. to focus on. We, we're quite. We have a keen interest in fitness and stuff. So we we're trying to like carry on working out, working out at home. Um, trying to keep our business busy, um, you know, keep keep afloat in that respect as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I suppose you're,
1: you're sharing your journey as well, so that must kind of keep you busy as well. Yeah,
6: trying to share my journey on my Instagram and my YouTube and, you know, supporting everybody else in the community as well ha- helps me stay focused because I feel like I'm being positive for everybody, like bringing a little bit of light to everybody, everybody's story by just sharing what I'm going through and how I'm trying to stay positive and stuff so yeah it's it's a tough one especially in times like this but we've got to just pull together and do our best and yeah we'll all get there in the end And so I guess
1: what would you say to, I mean, there's going to be lots of people listening to this that are in a similar situation to you that have had their treatments cancelled or that are unsure. Um, Would you have any
6: advice for them? Yeah, I think if your treatment hasn't been cancelled yet and you don't know what to do and you've not heard from your clinic, I'd definitely give them a call. Um, I've had a few messages from ladies that are unsure what's going on. They feel really in limbo. And I'd just say, give your clinic a call everybody that has had their treatment cancelled or delayed or postponed, I am with you, I feel for you. Just focus on what you can control, pick a new target, pick a new goal, something that you can aim for right now, whether it's, you know, focusing on your diet, trying to be a little bit healthier, or, you know, even just watching a new programme on Netflix or whatever, you know, whatever's going to get you through this time, we will get there eventually
1: yeah that's that's some really nice advice there nicole amazing thank you um well i guess all that's left to say really is we'll be thinking of you and best of luck when when it does come round again which it will which we all need to stay positive things will go back to normal eventually yeah for sure i guess we just don't know when
6: no how long's a piece of string is the pretty much the whole sums up ivf completely doesn't it
1: oh well it does yeah this is just making that worse (laughs) i know
6: i know oh well thank you so much for chatting
1: to us and um and as i say yeah best of luck with everything once it does go ahead
6: thank you and thanks for having me on now it's time
2: for ivf what the f what the f um this is quite a funny one
1: Yes. Yeah. There's actually a listener wrote in and said, I, my blood runs cold. I'm always cold. Is that going to impact um, any fertility treatments that I have?
2: So um, I was trying to figure out where this is coming from, right? Because like, obviously, you know, Eskimos can get pregnant. Eskimos can get pregnant. Penguins can, well, penguins can kind of get pregnant in a bird way. Yes. In an Um, eggy way. In an eggy way. So I think this comes from acupuncture. Because my acupuncturist our acupuncturist always said Indeed. there's a lot of heat in you, ah, and things like that.
1: they talk about heat quite a lot, don't they they do and and the fact that you want your uterus to be warm, you yeah you want all of your um all of your blood to be rushing elsewhere
2: yeah, and th- there was a point where she was telling me not to eat salad, really,
1: <laughs> oh <No>, Louie. <laughs>
2: She's an absolute hero. But, she is a legend. Um, But yeah, I, th- I think, so I think it's an acupuncture thing. Just to be very clear, I think it's mm. okay to eat salad. Mm, um, yes, yes. I think it's also think
1: related to the, the socks thing, isn't it? Yeah, the, everyone wears yeah. socks because they don't want their feet to get cold. Yeah, and I, which I think, again, is an acupuncture thing. Okay, yeah, also, our acupuncturist told us not to have cold drinks, and just when I was going through my IVF there was a period where I was drinking these m s smoothies that have like folic acid and all sorts of amazing things in them, and they 'd be cold, so I would like drink it, keep the drink in my mouth to warm it up first before <laughs> swallowing it <laughs> so that I didn't get cold, <laughs> yeah, so there you go
2: um, just to be clear again, I don't think you need to do that.
1: No, I don't I think, don't I think do. that's going
2: to change your chances of conceiving.
1: It does slow you down, though. You don't go through the smoothie quite as quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a value for money
2: thing. <laughs> it really is.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we asked Professor Tim whether being cold-blooded would potentially impact any fertility treatments or your attempts to get pregnant. And here's
2: what he said. So I think when people talk about being cold-blooded, what they probably mean is the sensation or or it appears that um, your fingers go blue and are very cold, so extremities get cold when it is cold. This isn't a sign of you being cold-blooded, it's just a sign that the blood flow to extremities is being shut down or reduced, which is what your body does to try and keep your core body temperature warm. People aren't going to actually have a lower... Um, core body temperature than than they should do unless you are very very unwell if you're worried about it you can check your body temperature and it's going to be around about 36 to 37 degrees centigrade so i'll be reassuring that essentially um being cold-blooded isn't going to be an issue
1: well thanks to uh thanks to professor tim for that answer so that's it that's it for today guys um thank you as always to the Foxes for their time
2: yes and thank you to Professor Tim
1: for his time yeah and thank you to Nicole Robinson for chatting to me at yeah. a time of, of of strife
2: and thank you to our sponsor Peanuts
1: indeed we do Good. love Peanuts
2: we do <laughs> we do love Peanuts next week we well okay so we we organised this before the whole corona thing right um, but it's We're looking at how, basically what you can do in your first year of trying to conceive um, that will help your chances. Because a lot of our listeners aren't going through IVF, aren't going through all that stuff. Um, But then lockdown happened, everyone's cycles were cancelled, so this kind of applies to people who are stuck at home who are preparing for their next cycle like what can you do to prepare your body for for your next cycle so it's equally helpful to everyone
1: good that's well timed isn't it it's almost like we planned it we'll see you all next week see you next week guys have a good one stay safe goodbye